Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. The podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Welcome back. This is another Spooptober episode of the Fallout Lorecast. Today I have another disturbing story for you. So content warnings. There are some dark things that happen. On another note, before we get into the episode too far, I wanted to make sure everybody was aware that the t-shirts on the Patreon have been updated. We have some new shirts for our Tier 4 and higher members. With helmets. Spooky helmets. From Power Armor and the Rangers gear and that's Go to the Patreon, you'll, you'll see it. But anyway, back to the spooky stuff. Today's episode... We are discussing one of the few moments in Fallout that confirms the existence of ghosts. That's right, ghosts. This comes up on occasion. We've talked about ghosts on this podcast before. It's come up during some other Spooptober episodes where we talked with guests and some of our patron chats. And ghosts in Fallout are one of those things that are far and few between. There's a side quest in Fallout 2 that supposedly has something to do with a ghost. But that's a long time ago, 20-some years back. There's another story from a much more recent adventure in Fallout 4. There's a location you can visit as part of the Nuka World DLC that is absolutely inspired by a real-world event and a location and a disturbing story about somebody who loses it. And this isn't the story of some old man who goes off the deep end and becomes ghoulified and eats somebody's brains. This is a story about a young woman who some say was possessed. And trigger warning ends up taking her own life only to live on in a different form. Enjoy your visit to the Grandchester Mystery Mansion. Kicking or spray painting the animatronic models is prohibited.
That's right, we're talking about the Grandchester Mystery Mansion from Nuka World. This is a location, as I said in the intro, that is very, very much influenced by real-world stories, including the Winchester Mansion and the tragic story of Lizzie Borden, which we'll go into in the second half of the, the show. We'll talk about some of the connections there. But first, what actually happens at this location and who is involved? Well, this becomes a tourist destination. It's located near Nuka World. And just like in a location kind of like uh, Orlando, Florida, you end up with Disney World, right? Disney World opens up and then around Disney World are all of these other fun things that you can do. Tourist traps. This is something I'm highly familiar with, being that I live in Florida and have been to Orlando more times than I can count. There are many other kinds of places you can go while journeying through in order to get to the bigger attractions. So something like the Grandchester Mystery Mansion opening up near Nuka World makes a lot of sense. It's a tourist trap. It's a place that has an interesting past and may have some real stories or maybe not. Maybe it's kind of blown out of proportion in order to get people in the door. Think of ghost tours in Savannah or St. Augustine. That's another location in Florida, Savannah, Georgia, very close to Florida up on the coast. You get these kinds of places. And you can tell during an earlier time in the United States, before highways, families would go on vacation, or at least I should say before interstates. And they would take whatever roads they could in order to get to these tourist locations, to the beaches of Florida, to Disneyland, to Disney World, places like that. And along the way, they would stop at these kinds of locations. But this location is a little bit different because we have some proof that maybe the things that happened here actually happened. This was the home of Hannibal and Morticia Granchester. And yes, that is their names. Hannibal Granchester and Morticia Granchester. Those names by themselves absolutely sound like they are references. Hannibal Lecter, that sounds like a reference, right? Morticia from the Adams family. Immediately, these names evoke thoughts about the kinds of shows we've seen with terrible spooky things happening in them and you know Morticia is more of a humorous spooky thing but the Adams family still spooky in a fun kind of way and they had a daughter named Lucy a simple name Lucy and the story goes and it's very simple that as a young girl Lucy became possessed most likely by an evil spirit. In this episode, I mentioned we're going to talk about ghosts. But ghosts are usually the spirits of people trapped in a place. They haven't gotten the ability to move on to the great beyond, whatever happens after this. But this story also brings about this concept of evil spirits in Fallout. Not necessarily ghosts, but maybe demons. Something turned Lucy from a regular little girl 
into a murderer. She ends up murdering her family. She's then taken to a mental institution where sometime later, near her 18th birthday, she escapes, makes her way back to the mansion, and hangs herself in the attic. And it makes for a tragic story, something that we can actually relate to in the real world. Things like this actually happen. But the story goes on from there. When you visit this mansion in the game, there's evidence of a ghost. In fact, you can actually meet the ghost and see it walking around the mansion. But the ghost that we see is not an 18-year-old young woman, but a little girl, the little girl version of Lucy. And the ghost is untargetable. You can't interact with it. If you zoom in in any way, you get a name, and all it says is girl on this character. And as we go through the mansion, we find a bunch of plaques with pieces of the story. So let's go through those. The first plaque says, Morticia Granchester ordered this stairway to nowhere, built in an effort to confuse the evil spirits possessing her daughter Lucy. This is a reference directly to the Winchester mansion. The next plaque says, Throughout the mansion you'll find doors like this one that open to blank walls and attempt to confuse the spirits Possessing Lucy, the Granchester's daughter. Similar kind of concept. The next plaque says, Portrait of Morticia Granchester. Obviously underneath that portrait. Photographs suggest that the artist took many liberties to make her look youthful and attractive. She was probably much more stressed out and older looking than is actually shown in this portrait. The next plaque says... Throughout her short life, Lucy was fascinated with fire. She liked to throw insects into the flames and watch them burn. This is a reference to one of the symptoms that many people who are deemed as psychopaths tend to share. The torturing and the abuse of small animals. The next plaque says... After creating this upside-down room, the Granchesters stopped receiving visitors. Most of their high-society friends had begun to shun them by then anyway. We get a glimpse through these plaques of this descent into terror and the isolation of this family due to the things that Lucy was suffering. Was it simply some sort of mental issue? Or was she actually possessed? And it must have been dire enough for the family to craft these upside-down rooms and staircases to nowhere. The next plaque says, The Granchesters had trouble keeping staff, especially cooks. Once Lucy was old enough to roam the mansion... The longest-serving cook was Granny Ratchet, whom they hired away from a prison. She quit after five months, declaring Lucy to be Satan's spawn. 
This plaque is particularly interesting because it says, once Lucy was old enough to roam the mansion. That means that before having Lucy at an age where she was old enough to roam around the mansion, which is only a few years old, they had already lost many cooks, many people working in the mansion for them. Because this little tiny girl seemed like she was demon-possessed. And it only got worse as she got older. The second-to-last plaque says this. When curators investigated this room, they found a variety of hidden speakers, tripwires, fog machines, and other devices clearly used to stage false seances. Curious. Why would a family who genuinely believes their daughter to be possessed and who's probably looking for other ways in order to solve this, like maybe what could be legitimate seances, have a room that stages false ones? This suggests that maybe the parents were the cause of Lucy's mental insecurities. But let's move on to the last one. After the gruesome murder of Lucy's parents, the police confiscated dozens of items from this room. There were assorted knives, makeshift weapons, animal bones, and toxic substances. Strangest of all was a journal written in some sort of code that was never deciphered. Unfortunately, all of those items remain in police evidence lockers to this day. So this raises the question, what actually happened to Lucy? Was she, from a very, very young age, either possessed by some sort of demonic entity? Was she mentally unstable? from a young age? And if that's the case, did it occur naturally? Is she the kind of person who just happened to have some wiring mixed up in her brain where she acted like a little demon? Or was it actually her parents with this obsession for expanding the house and Strange directions, doors that open to nowhere, upside-down rooms, a fake seance room. Could you point to the parents, Hannibal and Morticia, and blame them? Anybody growing up in a mansion like this, with parents who act like their daughter is insane... Would that drive the daughter insane actually and lead to the point where she realizes what's going on and murders them? All right, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So 
If you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore to learn more. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. I hope you're enjoying this creepy episode for Spooptober. And the big news this week is that the new shirts are up on the Patreon. If you sign up as an Assaultron, a tier four member of the Patreon, patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, you will get a new t-shirt every three months. And we have some new designs, all with these black and white helmets from different power armor or the ranger armor with like glowing eyes and the Fallout Lorecast logo in the eyes. They're really cool. Um, I, <laughs> as usual, I designed these and I wish that I could get them for myself, but I'm holding myself back from that because these are only for patrons. That's the only way to get them. They do not show up on the shop. They are only for patrons and they're a huge thank you to those of you who support this show. So go check them out. Patreon.com slash Fallout Lorecast. Uh, we also have a new patron this week. Uh, XXVorlookXX, I think is how you pronounce that i don't know uh welcome to the patreon and we have to shout out our uh our sentry bots and our liberty prime so first of all darth mosin still our liberty prime thank you so much for signing up at that top tier nobody else can be the liberty prime while you are in that spot huge thanks to you for the support thank you very very much and then also to our sentry bots germinator and sky r thank you for your support and to all 78 of our current patrons I couldn't do this without you. Thank you so much for keeping this show going. And I hope you are enjoying the, the latest episodes, the spooky ones that we've been doing. Also, as usual, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show, like these two that came in this last week. This one is from uh, Morin 54 who uh, is in the United States, who writes, Echoes of the Wasteland, a tribute to the Fallout Lorecast. I'm going to mess this up because it's basically a poem, but it's kind of um, strung together in a big paragraph because of the formatting of the way this works. Uh, it says in the wastelands depths there where tales are spun. I found a gem, a lore filled one Tom known as robots. His knowledge vast unveils the fallout world from the past five stars. I give with praises high for the lore cast that touched the sky with clarity and creativity. Him parts the highest or I'm sorry, the history of fallout with all its arts. He delivered, he, <laughs> Jeez, I'm already messing this up. He delves into vaults, secrets untold. In his tales, the lore unfolds. From pre-apocalyptic past to post-war strife, he weaves connections, igniting life. Tom's voice, a beacon in the dark, guides us through each intricate arc. I almost messed that one up. With passion, he shares tales profound. A treasure trove of knowledge found. The wasteland's mirror to our own demise. In his words, a world of surprise. 
A podcast that's a radiant star, I recommend it near and far. So to the Lorecast, my gratitude sings for unearthing Fallout's hidden strings. In poetic form, this review I cast five stars for a show unsurpassed. That was amazing. Thank you so much, B. Morin. Uh, then we have one from uh, Arviot, I'm totally butchering that name, uh, from Canada who writes, uh, must listen for all Fallout fans. Robots can describe the extensively long Fallout lore and make it enjoyable for early players and less of a drag to catch up with the decades of lore. Then make it enjoyable for people who already know the lore and even inform the experienced players of things even they don't know. Amazing show. Five stars. Hope you make an episode on the Sino-American War before the Great War. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I'm not exactly sure exactly how much content there is around that to dig into it. Uh, but it's worth digging back into again, finding out. Um, thank you for the reviews. Thank you for checking out the show. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for sharing with your friends and all that stuff. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Spooptober. Let's move on with the rest of this episode. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. So I mentioned at the beginning that this story was highly influenced by some other creepy stories. Uh, first of all, let's talk about, we're, we're going to start with Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden is a real person. This is one of those stories that I remember as a kid, somebody referencing Lizzie Borden, axe murderer, killed her parents, that kind of thing. But it's not because it was a recent story. This story comes from back in the 1800s, the end of the 1800s. So Lizzie Borden, and I'm pulling this from a uh, Wikipedia article on this, was born July 19th, 1860, right before the Civil War in the United States, and then passed away on June 1st, 1927. She was an American woman who was tried and acquitted of the August 4th, 1892 axe murders of her father and stepmother in, get this, Fall River, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, similar location to Fallout 4. No one else was charged in the murders, and despite ostracism from other residents, Borden spent the remainder of her life in Fall River. She died of pneumonia at age 66, just days before the death of her older sister, Emma. The Borden murders and trial received widespread publicity throughout the United States, and along with Borden herself, they remain a topic in American popular culture to the present day. They have been depicted in numerous films, theatrical productions, literary works, and folk rhymes that are still very well known in the Fall River area. Now, this was an event where the murder of two people takes place. And at this time in history, as with many of these kinds of situations, it's assumed that women were not capable of this sort of thing. Something this sinister the murdering of other people, and especially in a way like this, taking an axe to those two individuals. And police work has improved a lot over the years, but you go back to this time period, and they had a really hard time putting a woman on the stand because many people just didn't believe that women were capable of that. And even though she was let go. She was not convicted of this during the trial. They never came up with who may have actually done it if it wasn't her. 
And I'm not going to go into all the details on this. We could do an entire episode about this. And this isn't the, you know, spooky murders in real life podcast. It's the fallout forecast. So just know that there's more details. You can read up on this. I'm sure there are videos out there you can look up if you're really interested. But the details are are kind of odd. People get sick. uh, The murder happens in kind of an unexpected way. We don't know who did it. But popular thought is tends to still be that Lizzie Borden may have been the one who actually did it even though she was never convicted. So you take that story, and you can see how there are connections there. A young girl, potentially the one who kills her family, in a situation in a big kind of mansion. They lived in a nice big house. And then you mix that up with the Winchester mansion. The Winchester mansion is now called the Winchester Mystery House, Grandchester Mystery House, obviously a direct connection to the name. This is in San Jose, California. And we're talking a very similar time period here, the early 1900s. This was the personal residence of Sarah Winchester, the widow of firearms magnate William Wirt Winchester, like the rifles. The house became a tourist attraction nine months after Winchester's death in 1922. The Victorian and Gothic-style mansion is renowned for its size and its architectural curiosities. It is sometimes claimed to be one of the, quote, most haunted places in the world, but there is no evidence to support this belief, according to Wikipedia. Much of the lore regarding the Winchester house and its owner is fanciful, unverified, and often probably false. And this was another one of those locations. This is another kind of place you can go and you can take a tour and you can see all of the wacky rooms and things that were going on here, like stairways up into nothing, doors that open up into nowhere or out of the house on a second or third floor that fall to the ground. So why is this the case? Well, according to Wikipedia, it says Winchester and her husband had developed an interest in architecture and interior design while building a home on Prospect Hill in New Haven. With plans to expand the farmhouse, Winchester hired at least two architects, but dismissed them, deciding to do the planning herself. She designed the rooms one by one, supervised the project, and sought advice from the carpenter she hired. She took inspiration for the house from the World's Fair's that were common then. While the home was similar in scope to other homes built then, it was unusual for a woman to look after such a project, and Colin Dickey states in his book Ghostland in American History in Haunted Places, she could be considered an architectural pioneer of her time. So pretty cool, right? A woman decides that she's going to get into architecture. This isn't common in this time period. Very cool. It goes on. She was known to rebuild and abandon construction if the progress did not meet her expectations, with results in a maze-like design. In the San Jose News of 1897, it was reported that a seven-story tower was torn down and rebuilt 16 times. As a result of her expansions, there are walled-off exterior windows and doors that were not removed as the house grew in size. Multiple levels up to five, were added to different parts of the home. The design was essentially Victorian, with elements of Gothic and Romanesque features. So with a house so hodgepodge together in a way that doesn't make sense, you can clearly see why people would think 
that something was wrong. That maybe a location like this would be haunted, or maybe there was something wrong with her mind. Sarah Winchester maybe just wasn't that okay mentally. Or maybe she was an amateur who was just making a bunch of mistakes and had a lot of money to spend. That could be the case too. So if you take these two situations, Lizzie Borden growing up in a big house and somebody who went to trial for the murder of her parents and the Winchester Mystery House, and you mash them together, you end up with the Grandchester Mystery Mansion and a story of a ghost who we can actually run into in the game. That ghost shows up in a few different locations. Here's some possibilities. When you are entering the mansion for the first time, if you stare through the second window from the right to the top right above the entrance, the ghost girl is up in that room. You have to fly up to the room. You have to kind of hack the game to get up there. But if you go up there, you will see the only door to the room, that specific room, is boarded shut from the inside. And because you kind of hacked the game to get up there, the child never notices you. They don't respond. Or when entering the mansion for the first time, you might notice her running to the left on the second floor. When entering the upstairs hallway, she'll be running back and forth through the kitchen to the upside down room. It's possible to chase her to the upside down room and she'll stop. You can try to engage with her. Choose the talk option. But she doesn't respond. She just stares at you. When you enter the hallway beyond the seance room, you might notice her running to the left into her bedroom. And when entering the attic, she might be running to the left. The child will run through a door on the back left of the wall, just a little bit after she spawns in. Now, if you open the door, a loud jarring sound will be heard, but you'll only find a dead end. And there's a few other hints. For example, in a uh, terminal, there's an entry that states that the assaultrons might be malfunctioning because they hear a little girl's laughter, which could explain why there are all the deactivated assaultrons up in the attic. If you do run into the girl and you try to interact with her in other ways that are more dangerous, like shooting her, it does no damage, and you get no reaction. And when you go up in the attic, if you decide to clip through the door, the one that's boarded up by hacking the game, you'll notice that the room is mostly untextured. It was clearly not designed for a player to be walking around in, but there is a visible window and a shelf inside. So... I think we have some evidence directly here of a ghost in Fallout. I guess the only question that remains is, was Lucy possessed? Or was she the victim of her parents? Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another spooky episode. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio check out the robots radio rocket club where you can join me 
and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.